The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. Good morning, church. Uh, this is Pastor Darren. Hope you're doing well, and I hope you had a great 4th of July yesterday. Uh, we are currently gone on vacation this morning, but Pastor Nelson and I kind of switch in roles here as I'm doing a pre-recorded Sunday school uh, Bible study through Proverbs. Proverbs 5 is where we'll be today, and Pastor Nelson will be continuing our sermon of street-level faith going through the book of James on uh, Sunday morning. So you pray for him. Uh, Pastor Nelson, Nelson, uh, thank you so much. Uh, church, just so you know this, I think most of you realize this, it is very rare uh, to have a church, uh, one, full of men who can preach the Word of God, and even secondly, to have staff who can step in and do a smash-up, amazing job every time. So um, we, we are grateful for some time away, secluded away, uh, but uh, we also think are thankful for Pastor Nelson because he's preaching the Word this morning. So uh, you join him at 10.30 a.m. Um, here on this page as well, or if you're in person or drive in church as well. So thank you so much. Miss you guys. We're praying for you. This is obviously pre-recorded, so uh, I want to just encourage you with that. But Proverbs chapter 5, excuse me, is where we're going to be today. Proverbs chapter 5. And this is, you know, with the exception of maybe Proverbs 6, Proverbs 5, it, uh, 5 through 7, deals with the subject of sexuality. Um, especially in the context of marriage, especially in the context of immorality and all those things. You know, Hebrews 13 tells us to keep the marriage bed pure. That's what Hebrews 13.4 tells us. You know, Job 31.1 says Job made a covenant with his eyes that he would not lust after a woman. You know, there's so many things in Scripture. Uh, Jesus says all the sins uh, that are done in the body are part of the body, but, but the one sin that's done outside the body is sexual immorality. I mean, it's one of the sins that is always listed in, in 1 Corinthians 6 and Revelation, uh, I believe chapter 20, where it is a sin that is so grievous, so grievous that it is considered to be something outside the kingdom of God. Yet it's rampant everywhere. Uh, I think the church in general, I'm just going to say an intro before we pray here, I think the church in general has lost its credibility on these issues, primarily because we have so many people who claim the name of Jesus who are doing the very things we're going to talk about today. And I just want to remind you too, Proverbs, and Pastor Nelson, again, has done an amazing job going through this, but, but Proverbs teaches us, uh, not just little one-off sayings, but Proverbs is really about this, that if we want to follow God, we will do what 1 John 5, 1 and 2 says. And let me just read that for us. Uh, John said this, by this we know, 1 John 5, 2, by this we know that we are children of God and we love God when we love him and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. We are saved by, we are, we are saved, we are regenerated, we are brought into the kingdom of heaven, not by anything we do. It is, it is by grace we've been saved through faith, not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. There's, there's, unless any person should boast or be prideful about it. We are saved by faith alone in Jesus Christ, the risen Savior alone. But 
as Proverbs has been reminding us, and I think you'll see it today, and we heard it in 1 John 5, that everything we do on this life is to obey God, to, to live out our faith under the commands he's given us. This is why the Ten Commandments haven't gone away. This is why the commands of Christ have not gone away. Of course, we're not sacrificing heifers and bulls and you know cows in the back, whatever. Same words there, uh, because because Christ fulfilled that. But the moral law, the Ten Commandments, the, the 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 moral law continues on. And so, as we go through Proverbs, you may be saying, Darren, you know, I'm a student, or you know, I'm a widow or a widower, or you know, um, you know, our marriage is good in this thing. Be very careful. Because we're not going to get there today. Next week, Proverbs 6, uh, Pastor Nelson will. But it's like burning coals. You know, let me just read this to you. I, I, I just want you to see this. Because just because you don't think that this is something that will happen to you doesn't mean that it won't. I mean, it says in Proverbs 6, it says, it says Can a man carry fire next to his chest? Proverbs 6.27, Can a man carry fire next to his chest without being burned? And his clothes not being burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? Proverbs 6.28. So is he who goes to his neighbor's wife, no one who touches her will go unpunished. Look, you may not see as much physicality in this topic that we're going to talk about in Proverbs 5 today as far as we can go. But you see this online all the time. The church has lost its voice against this issue in the greater culture to stand as a, as, as, a, as a moral authority, if you will, or a truthful authority, not because God's not truthful, but because so many of us have indulged in, in, in things online. We've watched movies even. We've considered books or novels or even an off-TV show where, where the things we're going to be talking about today are laughed at, are cheered on, are expected, are anticipated. And Christian, I just want to remind you that if we love God, we are going to do everything in our power by his grace, through his strength, by his spirit to not do those things, not just to do them, not to do them, but because we want to honor the God who bought us with a price and glorify with our minds, our hearts, our, our feelings, our affections, everything we have, because he is that God. Let's pray today. We'll get in Proverbs chapter 5. And uh, I will put up an outline. I think the outline will be on the website. Um, as I'm recording this, I've kind of put something together. But if not, I'll go through this as easily as I can. I work better off outlines. Hopefully you do too. But let's pray and go to God as we start. Fathers, we come before you this morning. We are grateful that your son Jesus, our Savior, gave his life for us to redeem us from the curse of the law, to redeem us from sins such as those we're talking about today. Not just sexual sins, Lord, but every sin that we would commit. It's heinous in your eyes. Yet, Lord, especially give us wisdom today. Speak to whomever may watch this, whether it's someone who just needs to be reminded of these things, whether it's someone who needs to be warned against these things, who knows these things, whether someone's learning for the first time. Father, it's all truth. It's your truth. And I pray it points us back to this one fact, that, Lord, we can't keep all these things perfectly, but we know that your Son perfectly stood in our place and took the wrath we deserve that we might live forever. Father, we pray all this. We thank you and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we're going to start in Proverbs chapter 5, verse 1. Proverbs 5, 1 here. It says this. And again, this is Solomon in writing. He's, he's putting out these phrases, my son, or uh, I mean, even broader in the culture. This, this is written to people who want to be godly. So here it is. Proverbs 5, 1. My son, be attentive 
to wisdom. Incline your ear to hearing, that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of, and he kind of transfers it over here to verses 3 to 5. Well, I'll stop there. Verses 1 to 2. You know, you, you just need to be reminded, and I think, uh, church, we need to be reminded of this, is that an intense commitment to the Word of God is the key to avoiding sexual immorality. That's really what he's saying here in verses 1 to 2. Uh, you'd note that Solomon was not a perfect example of this. And much of his wisdom was learned by comparing his own experiences and not following God. Remember what took Solomon away, the chronicler or the, the writer of Chronicles notes it, that he was taken away by women. That's what it was. He started out so well. I mean, he's the son of David. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, R.C. Sproul, uh, who passed away in 2017, his son, R.C. Sproul Jr., uh, had the whole knowledge of one of the greatest thinkers. His dad, R.C. Sproul Sr., was one of the greatest thinkers, theologians, and most practical applicationers, if you will, of the scriptures in our day. What a gift to the church. But R.C. Sproul Jr. was on that path of walking in dad's shadow, but he's kind of gotten off that path. You know, you can look up the details. I'm not here to talk about his life. But just because you're around people, just because you are the son of someone like Solomon was to David, does not mean you're always going to walk in his ways. But you see that in 1 Kings 11, 1 through 8, and his opening section, there at least uh, to go along with 1 Kings 11, 8, that, that, that Solomon reflected on his own um, mistakes and his own sins. And there are two keys I want you to, 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 to see here. First is that how do you stay away from sexual immorality? Well, he tells you. We could see these first two verses as a charge to understand God's word. I mean, it's very important. It's very significant to see that the first key to living a godly life is to give attention to the word of God. Don't miss that. He says, my son, be attentive to my wisdom and incline your ears to hear. He, so we, we may safely assume that when Solomon was in the depths of his sin, when he was running rampant, when he was doing those things, he was not in the scriptures. So there, there are two things here you need to see. He says that you may regard discretion, you may carefully guard uh, a prudent craftiness. You may, you may try to be in the word of God, but you're not there. And so what he tells him is, is that, that you need to incline your ear to understanding that you may keep discretion, that you may keep your head in those times, that, that when that temptation, especially sexually, comes, and I'm talking to men and women, I'm especially talking to you too, because your marriage can grow dry, your, your time with your spouse can grow old. Don't let the Word of God be out of your life. The more the Word of God is out of your life, the more you will see sin running rampant in your life. And he says that, that you may keep knowledge, that you may carefully guard the intelligence and not the ignorance that comes when walking with God. And so this is what you need to see. See, he says that he tells you how to stay away from sexual morality. Be in the Word. Look, it doesn't mean that if you're in the Bible, you're never going to sin again. It doesn't mean if you're in the Bible that you're a super saint. But what it does is, is that you equip yourself. Look, if you don't want to get heart disease, then stop eating things that cause heart disease, right? If you want to be fit, then get out and start walking or exercising or biking or whatever you do. It's not rocket science. And what he tells him here before he gets in, Solomon, Proverbs 5, 1 to 2, is he gets in here and he basically says, look, if you want to avoid sexual immorality, listen up, lend me your ears, and get in the Word of God. 
He's reflecting on his life because he did not do that when he walked in those ways. He goes on in verses 3 to 6. This is the second point. He says why. Uh, you know, in 5, 3 to 6, he's going to tell us uh, why to stay away. He's telling us how to by the word of God, but now why. And so the reason why that you stay away from sexual immorality, even though it appears to offer a sweet and smooth relationship, is that it's going to be bitter. It's going to be rotten inside. It's, it reminds me of those days when I picked apples. For those of you local, uh, there was an apple farm just north of Kearney, south of Holt. Uh, excuse me, north of Kearney and kind of around Holt area. When I was in high school, I used to pick apples for two or three seasons after school for a few hours. It's hard work. I mean, it really is. And I remember the owner, um, I don't even remember his name now, nice man. Uh, the owner would say, you know, be careful. You can eat an apple off the tree if you need one, but be careful because you don't know when those apples, when you bite into them, whether it's good or bad. And I remember, you know, first few times eating apples, they were right off the tree. They were great. They were so crispy, you know, all the good stuff. But one day I bit an apple and I remember, it's going to sound gross, I remember a worm just going through my teeth. You know, you get that feeling of a bug inside and, blah, and you spit it out because the apple looked good. You couldn't tell the difference. But when it came down to getting into the meat of it, you tasted how bitter it was. So Proverbs 5.3, the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood and sharp as a two-edged sword. Proverbs 5.3 and 4. Notice verse 3 begins with the word for, right? Did you see that there? Uh, it's, a, it's a conjunction. It's a connector. This gives the reason why there needs to be a deep understanding of God's word in your life. Specifically, Christian, because when immorality, when immoral opportunities kind of come your way and they present themselves, uh, they will appear to be very pleasant, enticing, charming, attractive, dangly, you know, sparkly. But it's the very moment when you need to be on guard to have the spiritual intelligence to immediately recognize the true devastating reality of such an enticement. I mean, if Adam and Eve could have seen uh, the, the actions of that one, you know, crunch of a, of a fruit, apple, whatever it was that they were enticed to do, would they have done it? Who knows? But we do know that that was the plan, right? That, that God would redeem even them through that time. So implant in your verse... Verse 3, in your mind, and do not start a relationship with anyone, or uh, whether it's it, it, if you're a lady, another man, whether you're a man, another woman, or whether you're watching this and you're not a Christian, you're tempted to be in a same-sex relationship, thank you for watching. Because they all start out sweet and smooth, but they and they falsely promise this, this great, uh, uh, you could say, fulfillment that comes with it. But you notice he uses the words here, adulterous or forbidden woman or strange woman, which speaks of a woman who is not somebody's wife. Then he goes on in verses 4 to 6. He says, but in the end, she, that adulteress, that forbidden woman, strange woman, is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path of Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. Look, the reason that she sounds smooth, the reason that she seems to have all this together um, uh, is, is, is because she puts on a show. It's basically what it is. But in verses 4 to 6, Solomon gives the, his son three good reasons for not giving in to the words of the seductress. 
no matter how sweet she appears. Verse 4 tells us the first one, uh, because her speech is total destruction. But in the end, she's as bitter as wormwood. The phrase bitter as wormwood can mean several things. Uh, I had to look this up, but bitter was used, you know, when something sad happened, when like when it's bitter, life was bitter. Uh, it was used as someone who emotionally was broken down and weeping bitterly. Um, it was used of a terrible rebellion against God. And wormwood was, was, was something that means very destructive. And so all this, what it means is, is that she's smooth talking. Hey, come lie with me. Like, like uh, Potiphar's wife said to Joseph, no one will ever know. But sexual immorality will break you. It'll tear you apart. That's the first reason he says to avoid her. Verse 4. Second reason is be- behind her speech is total death. Look at verse 5. Her feet go down to death and her steps follow the shield. It's saying the same thing twice. Uh, but, but basically what it is, basically what it is, is that combined together, this is a destructive woman. Talking a walk with a woman other than your or or, or you know taking a wife with a uh, a walk with your blah, 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 taking or spending time a lot of time with someone other than your wife, whose smooth talking is destruction that will lead to one sad broken rebellion. Sexual immorality will break you, and it will cost you everything. Did you see that? It will cost you your spirituality cost you your family. It'll cost you your emotions. It'll even cost you your physical existence. Why? Because verse six, behind her speech is total captivity. Do you see this here? She does not ponder, it says, verse six, the path of life. Her ways wander and she does not know it. The point seems to be that the one who gives in to immorality will never know the path of life again. Solomon wanted his son and by extension, all those who would read his words, church, to know and stay far away from sexual morality. He knew what Charles Bridges said, that, and I love this quote, I found it. He said, quote, The deluded victim only tastes or expects to taste the honeycomb, but never is the beginning so sweet as the end is bitter. So he says, stay close, stay close, stay close. Christian, I don't know what you're tempted to do. And if you're watching this, I'm assuming many things about you. I'm assuming that you're probably one of our members. I'm assuming that you're probably aware of these things already. I'm going to fix the the thing there. It's a little clear. I'm assuming that you know many of these things. But the question is, has your heart wandered? Has your heart wandered? Have you allowed somebody's speech other than your wife or your, your husband to take hold of you? Have you allowed even your boyfriend or girlfriend to lead you in a path of this? Here's what I want to say to this, is that sexual sin is not unforgivable. Sexual sin is overcomable, as is all sin in the name of Christ. If you have sinned in this area, if you've watched things you shouldn't watch, if you pondered things in your head, Jesus said if you lust after a woman or another man, it's like you've already committed adultery in your heart. Repent. Go to the Savior. Run to Him. Seek His forgiveness. He will no wise cast you out, but you can't hide it. You need to confess it. James 5, you know, James 5, 16, confess your sins one to another. Friends, you need to come clean with it. If you have a porn addiction, we, we want to talk with you, not because we're better than you, but we want to walk you through it. There is grace to get through it. And if you say, yeah, I, you know what, pastor, I've got this myself. I'm okay. I don't need the help of somebody else. You're going to fall right back into that sin. If you're tempted in this area, let Proverbs 5, 1 to 6, as we just dip our feet into this, inform you 
This is not the path to go. This is not the path to go. Stay close to the word of God and stay far away from sexual immorality. That's what he's telling you to do. That's what he's telling you to do. And so we go on to verse 7, and you'll see that here. Verse 7, uh, you know, Solomon had a lot going for him, but he was a real person. And one thing that wrecked Solomon was his immorality. And what he's going to tell us here in verses 7 to 14 is that we're going to stay away from sexual morality because, again, if you don't, it's going to destroy you. And there's no quicker way. There's no quicker way to commit mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual suicide than falling into sexual immorality. Online, in person, in thought, in mind, and deed. That's precisely what Solomon wanted his friends to know, uh, especially the son that he wrote to here. He goes on in verse 7, he says, And now, my sons, listen to me and do not depart from the words of my mouth. This is the second time within this little section that he tells us he tells us to stay close to the Word of God. That's his, fir that's his first challenge here in verse 7. There's no doubt that the, the major factor in keeping us far away from immorality is staying close to the Word of God. Time and again, the sin that we find in our lives is when we are not invested with the Word of God in our lives. And the verb do not depart there stress is never turning away from that objective keeping the line not running away from the word even when it is hard and so as you christian as you get in the word as you spend time in the word regular doses of the word of god will keep you from sexual immorality and this is precisely why those who are caught up in it should stop focusing their um uh, attention on the sin and start focusing their attention before God with His Word open. Then he get, he gives some he gives some other uh, things here. He he wants you to, he, he's going to give some more specific examples in verses eight to fourteen. He's basically saying stay far away from immoral people and immoral places. He I'll just read from verses eight, chapter five, Proverbs five, eight through fourteen. If you're joining us, thank you so much. We're grateful to have you. Keep your keep your way far from her. From who? From that from that seductress of verse three. And do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless. Lest strangers take their fill of strength and your labors, verse 10, go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life, you groan when your flesh and your body are consumed. And you say, how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. Look, Solomon says, stay away from people. Stay away from things that lead you in a sexual way that are not of God's thing. And he says, stay away from them. He says there are five results that come out of this. Look at verse 9. He says, your years will be wasted. The Hebrew word here uh, could mean consequences. Uh, verse 9, lest, L-E-S-T, lest, this is in verses 6, 9, and 10. It, it really is dreaded consequences. What Solomon is saying here is, is that if you are a Christian and you involve yourself in immorality, you are a person that takes what is beautiful and invests in, it with someone or something that will be harsh and cruel to you. I mean, look what he says. Your years to the merciless. Uh, the second result is your, your wealth will be wasted. Lest strangers take fill of your strength. I mean, think about this. 
People who have adulterous relationships, who have a child out of wedlock if they're single, who, who, who don't follow the prescription of one man and one woman in the scripture, they fight child support, they lose money, their wages can be garnished, uh, they lose time, their, their strength is sapped because they're dealing with the fallout of their sin. That, that was that was, you know, an adventure for a short time, but then reality sets in of what actually happened. They can't just walk away scot-free. The word strength or wealth uh, here refers to monetary things. And the word stranger or alien refers to a person who doesn't have right to your property. But what is the fallout of a sexual uh, relationship that's not in a marriage context? It could be divorce. It could be loss of kids in custody. I mean, Solomon is warning that if you give into it, you'll end up supporting aliens and strangers. You, you, the things that God has given you, the things you've worked for, the things he's blessed you with may go away simply because you chose a little fun, quote unquote, in sin, and it goes away. He says in verse 11, not only will your wealth be wasted, your years will be wasted. Verse 11, your emotions will be wasted. Look at this. He says, and at the end of your life, you will groan when your flesh and body are consumed. Verse 11 is a reflection years later on the experience. You know, people always say, man, I, you know, if I could only go back and change something in my life. You know, a lot of people have that, that concern. But the word here literally means someone who has an emotional low. We glimpse a person who's in total depression for what they did. And the word groan, or maybe your version has mourned, refers to that, that, that self beating up. How, what was I thinking? How, what was I doing? That's the result. Your, your, your emotions will be wasted. And, and result number four, verses 12 through 13, and he's quoting someone here. He said, how I hated discipline. My heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my heart to my instructors. The person who pursues immorality and intimacy outside of the marriage context, one man, one woman, ends up thinking back on the things of God that he heard, that he learned, that she understood, and recognize that only as a memory. If you are walking down this path, sir or ma'am, you know better. This lesson is just icing on the cake. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Your problem is that you're allowing your heart to be directed by your emotions and not by the Word of God. Because you're allowing your heart to find its contentment in something else other than who God is. So your training will be wasted. All the, all the time spent will be wasted. And finally, in verse 14, he tells us here, and this is very straightforward, he says, your environment will be wasted. Look at this. He says, I'm at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. The point here is that immorality was not in harmony with the people of God. So stay far away from it. It'll wreck you. It'll wreck your life. It'll wreck your possessions. It'll wreck your spiritual faith. Um, you name it. Stay close to the Word of God. Pick a spouse if you're not married and you're considering spouse, pick a spouse, first off, who, who's in the Lord. If, you're, if, you're, if you think that you can uh, make someone a Christian because you're a Christian, stay away from that relationship. Go read 2 Corinthians 6. Pick someone who loves God and His Word, and you will have a rich and successful life in His eyes. That's what he reminds us of. Okay, so we got that down. 
you know, I want you to go on now to uh, the next section here, which is going to be in verses um, uh, 15 through 23. And that'll pretty much, I think, wrap up our chapter. Let me scroll down a little bit on my Bible here. But down through verse 23, let's let's go on to this now. And he goes on to say here, uh, well, I just want to backtrack this. I've put some notes here from 1 Corinthians 7. Uh, you know, according to, to 1 Corinthians 7, 2, sex is the main reason for getting married. Uh, you can go read that. Second Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 7, 3 says sexual fulfillment is a debt, you could say, you owe your spouse. According to 1 Corinthians 7, 5, sexual abstinence can lead to satanic temptation. That you should only be apart from each other intimately for matters of prayer. And 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 and, and 1 Corinthians 7 9 says sexual urges are burning passions, and the Bible is absolutely clear. Sex is a vital force of life. It is. And it's clear where that is to be expressed. It's in a marital relationship, one man, one woman. And it's where you physically enjoy the spouse that you've been given. And so what, as he closes Proverbs 5, 15 through 23 here, uh, he, he kind of just gets to the point where he says, stay faithful to your wife and physically enjoy her your entire life, or wife, your husband. If you're not married, uh, this is the blessing of being married and staying true to God. And to state things more graphically, Solomon is saying that your sexual longing should be enjoyed with your spouse and no one else, just to be absolutely clear on that. So that's what he says. Look at verse 15. He says, drink water from your own cistern, cistern, flowing water from your own well. Cistern and, and, and well refer to the wife. It is not uncommon for Solomon to use metaphorical language in reference to his wife. Uh, Song of Solomon comes in here. But both of these, the cistern and the well, were places where a thirsty man would come to be refreshed. I mean, you think about... Um, well, you think about several examples. You think about uh, uh, Abraham's servant when he was looking for Isaac's wife. He found Rebekah at the well. You think of Jesus with the woman at the well. You think of uh, uh, Moses uh, at getting water in the desert from the well. The well was a very common expression because it was a gathering place. It's where you went, kind of like a marketplace or grocery store is for us today. But his point is, is that a husband is to continually go to his own wife to find sexual refreshment, not Things online, not things in his mind, not another person physically, but the Lord, the one the Lord has given him. Both husband and wife need to understand this image here, I think. For a man is to look for a man to look to another well is on the road to danger. And for a woman to have a dry well that offers no refreshment, it, uh, to enhance the husband is to look for other places to quench his thirst. And vice versa. It can be withheld whether you're husband to wife or wife to husband. Then he goes on to say, he said, he says, find that refreshment totally in your wife, in your spouse. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets? It's kind of a difficult verse, but I think Solomon in, in Proverbs 5, 16 is saying that your sexual refreshment with your wife should only be her and don't go away to your home to find refreshments in the streets. I mean, I think that's what he's saying here. Verse 17, he goes on to say, let them be yourself, be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. And this is a challenge in marriage, isn't it, for you married folks? Um, not because you want to break that relationship, but, but you need to be totally dedicated to each other in this area. You have to be, or temptation abounds. And then he, he goes on to say, he says in verse 18, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. The word blessed here is a theological word. It literally means that the only sexual relationship that honors, 
God. And the only one which he blesses is when a husband and a wife enjoy each other in that context. And so he says, look, you want to be blessed? Then remember your commitments. Some of you have been married for a number of years. If you fall... Have you have you not fallen out of your commitment, but have you fallen out of love with your spouse? Rekindle that. May God give you grace there. But then he gives some pretty literal statements here. He says, "Let your verse 18, let your fountain be blessed. Rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe, and let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always with her love. There, there are seven words used in, in the Hebrew for, for the word breast, and it's most sensuous, most and this is the most sensuous of them all. It means literally to be exhilarated, to be ravished, and be totally intoxicated. Uh, Dr. Bruce Waltke, which uh, I don't usually read him, but he had a good saying here. He said, quote, lose total control of yourself with your wife's love, end quote. Lose total control of yourself with your wife's love. That's what God's given you in the marriage. Live it up with your spouse and your spouse only. And then he says, don't be physically intoxicated. Look at verse 20. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? Solomon's point is very simple, isn't it? Don't ever be going anywhere for physical fulfillment when you have a dazzling, sensuous woman at home who is your wife. Husband, your wife may have put on pounds. Your wife may not be the same physical makeup as before, but she's still your wife, the one God has given you. And why, why should we do these things? He closes with three quick reasons here. He closes with three quick reasons about what should motivate us to do these things as we've talked about. Well, first off, he says in verse 21, the first motivation or the first reason you should do it, because God does watch. For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his path. God here claims to be witness of everything you do. He's omniscient. He knows it all. So, so if you're trying to find fulfillment in some other way, other than the spouse of your youth or, or even your old age, it doesn't matter, just your spouse in general that you've committed to, then he says God is watching and God knows. We know that, but we don't live like that, do we? We, we are, as the Puritan says, sometimes we're practical atheists. We're, we believe that there is a God. We believe he sent his son, Jesus, to be our Savior. But we're atheists in the fact that when the rubber meets the road, we don't follow or are in tune with what God has already told us in his word. So we need to be careful of that. Why? Well, he goes on with the second reason why uh, to motivate you to do this. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he's held fast in the cord of sin. Look, Proverbs 5.22 basically says that God will judge the sexual immoral person. God will allow an immoral person to go about his business, but literally, he says, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin, that, that, that the one who is doing these things is going to be bound like a prisoner and is not going to be free to follow the Lord and serve him and the family or the spouse that he has been given. Finally, in verse 23, he dies for lack of discipline because of his great folly. He is not to go astray. So what we need to know here is that God executes judgment on those who refuse to respond in faith. It's not always physical, but it's always spiritual. Christian sex is a God-given gift and a God-honoring one. Stay faithful to your wife. And, and, and enjoy her your entire life, and you'll be pleasing with God, even in this area as it is. Well, guys, as we close, excuse me, I had a yawn there. As we close, 
I just want to encourage you, if you're watching this and you're not a Christian, let me just say this, that you have sinned against the Holy God, that God himself says that just like Proverbs 5, 22 and 23, he is coming to judge the world, not just in sexual sin, but all sin. And thank God that, that he's given you an opportunity to come by faith to him, to know him, to walk with him, and to be saved by him. Because you see, you deserve death. You deserve hell. You deserve the worst. But God in his grace has given you his best. He's given you his one and only son. The Bible says where you could not be perfect, Jesus lived perfectly. Where you could not go to heaven, Jesus came down from heaven to lead the way for all those and the Bible says that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal and everlasting life. You know, if you're watching this and, and you don't know that, the Bible says if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So friend, I encourage you today, if you're watching this and you don't know it, drop us a note below, text or call 816-368-1330, 816-368-1330. Email us, you know, info at towerofukc.com. Just let us know. But for the Christians here, will you pray that these things we've talked about will not be realities in your life that take us away from Christ, but all he's given us to live for him will be our, will be our, uh, is it? Oh, we are rallying cries. This is not boring material, but uh, teaching wears me out. So let's pray together and we'll be done. Thank you for joining us. Lord, as we come before you today in a tough topic, Lord, we just pray that your will be done. Thank you for your grace. Father, lead and guide through this issue with many people watching. Draw those without Christ to Christ for those who do have you. Father, we just pray that you would help us to see you as you are and live accordingly. We pray these things today in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, thank you so much. Check this out at towerofukc.com. I hope you have a great day. God bless. Tune in for Pastor Nelson.